Hey there, it's Rashid Finch, and welcome to the Made by Google podcast. Well, time flies. We've been on a journey meeting Googlers that work on our devices and services. And this is the final episode of this year. But I do have some news on that, so stay tuned until the end of this episode. So today we're talking about accessibility. It's a topic that, frankly, not enough people care about, and perhaps just as many people don't really know what it is. In a nutshell, it's the stuff we add to our products to make sure more people can use it, even if they have challenges with, say, speech, vision, or hearing. There's a lot of cool stuff going on in an area, and I think that even if you don't identify as having a disability, some of the accessibility features can still be of great benefit to you. We're going to learn all about it in this year's final episode of the Made by Google podcast. My guest today is the Group Product Manager for Accessibility on Android. Please welcome Vince Wu. Vince Wu, welcome to the Made by Google podcast. Great to have you. Well, thank you for inviting me. Great to be here. Absolutely. So you're a Group Product Manager for Accessibility on Android. Could you describe to us what that means? Yes. So I guess like a lot of folks who get into this area... There's a little bit of a family member or a friend, and that's how usually folks get into this area, uh, looking at how we can make our services and our devices better serve folks with disabilities. Mm -hmm. And I work specifically on the Android platform. All right. And we'll get to that in a moment. But listeners of this podcast will know that sometimes I'll go into, let's say, our corporate directory where we have all of the Googlers. You can see where they work. You can see their profile picture. You can also see their mission statement. So, Vince, I looked up yours and it says Android is useful for everyone, regardless of ability, language or region. Now, I think with some people I have to ask, what do you mean with your mission? But yours is pretty clear, actually. Yeah, I think so. And that's what got me very interested in this area in the first place. We really want to build our products for everyone. That's why I joined Google. And when I got in touch with this project in the first place, it was a really easy decision for me to work on it. Now, we've been in touch uh, many years ago when we launched the Google Assistant in Europe. But what I found interesting on your page, it also tells you the tenure. So how long someone has worked at Google And I just couldn't help but notice that you've been with Google for over 16 years. As a matter of fact, you joined Google before Android was a public operating system by Google in 2008 because you joined in 2006. What a ride it must have been in 16 years' time. You know, uh, I never uh, thought I would be at Google for this long, uh, but I guess one thing led to another. What has really helped is working at Google. Google has been very supportive of different regions, different roles. And every three, four years, I've really done something quite different. Uh, currently, I'm based in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. uh, before, I was in the US and I spent some time in our APAC offices. And so it really feels like many, many jobs that I've done, uh, even though I've been at Google for one stretch. One thing that connects a lot of my work is I've been on Android and Chrome for mm -hmm. the vast majority of my time at Google. And so that sort of set me up well that gave me the confidence to work on something like accessibility, which is really a horizontal cutting role across a platform. My guest today is a veteran at Google. I met him years and years ago when he was still working on the Google Assistant. But now, Vince Wu is the group product manager for accessibility on Android. In many ways, accessibility is the great equalizer. 
it makes sure many more people can use Android even if they have challenges with seeing, hearing or speaking. Accessibility is one of those areas at Google that benefits so much from AI and as Vince will tell you, we're doing things today that were unimaginable just a few years ago. I loved Vin's passion when talking about his work because it makes such a profound difference in the lives of many. And we're even gonna do a live demo of an amazing feature on Pixel 7 called Guided Frame. I hope you'll enjoy our conversation. So accessibility, I think for some people, that's maybe like this menu option they never really checked out on Android. Could you explain to people what does accessibility mean or what do we mean by it? So we really mean uh, making sure that the devices work well for all users, literally. We want to build for everyone regardless of their ability. And so I think the most obvious thing that people get uh, connected to is, well, uh, we all know folks who may have a disability. This could come in many forms. It could be a vision-related disability. It could be a hearing-related disability. It could be motor, which relates to dexterity, whether you can use fine motor skills. It could be something else. Uh, and there's a broad range of this. And one, of course, make sure our devices, the growth of devices in our lives. We all, we all have smartphones these days and maybe even a tablet, maybe a watch, maybe even your TV, your collection of devices that you have in your home are all smart and connected these days. And we want to make sure that everything that runs on Android works well. So any Googler I spoke to in this podcast, or basically every Googler I ever spoke to, they're very passionate about the work they do. So where do you get the passion to work specifically on a topic like accessibility? Yeah, for me, uh, I think it's very similar to a lot of folks on accessibility, which is often we have a family member or we have a close friend where we've directly seen that where they uh, may have struggled uh, with using devices. And I think technology for me, there's like two sides of it, right? Mm -hmm. On one side, the more devices that we have, the more we rely on devices for services, for being able to access things, they become a barrier, right? If you can't use it. So that's one side of it. And then the other side of it though, which is very exciting is there's a lot of things that we could do with the power of uh, technology that was not possible in the past. I think it's very fascinating to, there's both sides of it and it's very interesting to be in the middle of that. So maybe we can make this a little bit more concrete. Let's say someone has issues with their hearing ability, for example. What is something you worked on in Android to help them continue to use Android? Ah, yes. Uh, I'll try, maybe jump straight into something and then maybe we can broaden out uh, just sure. to get a, Let's do get, it. A, get a better understanding. Uh, well, the first thing I would mention would be captioning. Right. Uh, so I think a lot of us take captioning for granted uh, these days. A lot of times, generally, folks might turn it on. Maybe if they don't want to listen to the audio, you can do it in many different languages. It works across uh, many things. YouTube videos, you can get it for phone calls. Uh, you can get it for meetings or everything. Uh, but I think if we zoom into the need of someone with a, a hearing impairment, you, of course, won't be able to hear a lot of the things in your life. And being able to caption things, being able to understand the sounds around you. So captioning not just with text, but more broadly around like, hey, what are the sounds around you? Uh, maybe there's a baby crying. Maybe there's an ambulance close by. So I think all of that comes into it. And I think uh, if we look at things a little bit more broader, what we like to do is 
look at the different types of users and a range of uh, disabilities that, that they have. So for the most extreme, let's say someone can't hear uh, anything at all, something like captioning, not having it would be a deal breaker. Absolutely, sure. right? And then if you look at someone maybe with uh, just a little bit of an impairment, or maybe it's just situational where it's not easy for them to uh, listen to something, or maybe it's not convenient, then captioning becomes something that they turn on and off. Uh, maybe they turn it on for an hour because they, they need it, and then they turn it off later on. That makes sense. And then uh, I think, as you alluded to, there are many people you can help with the accessibility services that Android has. So for some people might be hearing, others might be vision. You mentioned dexterity as well. How do you decide what to work on? To me, it seems like everything is important in a way, but yet there has to be some sort of priority. How do you tackle that? That's a great question. I think as people who gravitate towards this field, we definitely want to work on everything, right? Yeah. Because like part of working on this is you start with the user and we meet with people and people have different needs. And I think coming into this, uh, you just want to help everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's some things where there's existing technology and you sort of take advantage of that. There are certain things where there's new tech coming in and you sort of see that, oh, if you look at the trajectory of it, it may make a big difference if we take advantage of that and leverage it and jump on that. So I think looking at where technology is going, where technology is heading, and then seeing what kind of things could be the most helpful. Maybe to give a very concrete example here. So recently we looked at the trajectory of general uh, image understanding. Mm -hmm. And so we saw that, uh, so this is for folks with uh, vision impairments that they can't see, or they may need assistance with seeing. So you want to connect them to the ability to uh, understand images or understand icons, you know, text, that sort of thing. And then the phone will tell me what it sees through its camera, for example? Yes. The technology that was very mature was around icon detection. And so we jumped on that. And the example there is that if the developer, when they're building an app, and they forget to label certain icons. For example, you have a home button, a back button, front button. If they forget to label it, then there's no way for the end user to know what they're navigating towards because they're using a screen reader type of interface, right? And so with uh, icon detection, we can then figure out, oh, we know this looks like a home button. We can Mm -hmm. tell the user that's what it is. You mentioned that obviously you're talking to people with disabilities to understand what they actually need. I guess that falls in the research department, What's that like to sit in in such an interview and learn these kind of things? Yeah, I think the difference between this project and other projects is I always learn something new on this project. Whereas on other projects, maybe after a couple months, I feel like, oh, okay, you know, I pretty much, I understand a user, there's like different groups. Mm -hmm. With accessibility, there's just so many different groups And there's also intersections of disabilities. Like, for example, someone who's aging, getting older, Mm -hmm. uh, may have a bunch of things going on all at the same time, uh, maybe progressing at different rates. There's a difference between developed markets like uh, the U.S. versus other markets that may be still developing, like, uh, for example, India. I think there are many, many different angles to this. Uh, Some folks may uh, have access to expensive devices like hearing aids, and some folks may may not. Depending on the situation and uh, the user segment and their needs, uh, there's just a ton of diversity here. Absolutely. Now, we've talked about captioning, which 
uh, will then in the end rely on AI and machine learning, a topic that frequently comes up in the podcast. What kind of role does AI play in accessibility and did the field change because of the advances in AI? Oh, absolutely. I think I would struggle to find an area where AI is not touching or is not going to touch because just by definition, we're talking about people's senses, right? So Mm -hmm. your eyes, your ears, your motor skills may be degrading or you might have a need around that. And that is exactly the fundamental research that is going on in AI. To mention a few other examples uh, other than captioning. Sure. So we have uh, sound sensing. That's another area in the hearing space. Uh, in vision, uh, we have image, image captioning. We have uh, an app called uh, Lookout, which I really love. This is an app that uh, not a lot of people are aware of. But what's cool about it is that uh, for people who may have low vision, they can open the app and there's different modes, right? There's different types of things that it can detect. You can uh, pull out some bills from your wallet. And then one of the modes is identifying different kinds of uh, bills. Uh, Another one might be food. So if you go to a grocery store and you look at the labels that you see on boxes, it'll tell you what kind of food you're looking at. And yeah, that's just fascinating, the types of things that uh, that you can detect. Lookout. I guess that's just in the Play Store for everyone to download. Yeah, yeah. You can uh, just, uh, just look at one word. Yeah. Amazing. Now, Vince, we have a recurring segment in the Made by Google podcast called Made by Numbers, where we ask our guests to bring a number that's either important to themselves or uh, to the work they do. And uh, we've had all sorts of numbers from very tiny ones up until millions and billions. So just wondering what the number is and maybe I can guess what it relates to. Okay. uh, One in seven and one in five. Oh, that's interesting. So you're the first guest to have a sub one number. That's nice. One in seven and one in five. I'm thinking that maybe one of those two uh, pertains to people who identify as having some sort of disability. Good guess. So that is one in seven. Uh, One in seven people in the world have a disability. Right. Okay. But then the one in five, I would not be able to figure that out. Yeah. The one in five, uh, maybe it's like a little bit of a trick question because it's not entirely related. One in five is more around the idea of the work that we do is actually applicable more generally. The one in five is the number of people who are older than 60 Mm -hmm. uh, by the year 2050. Because I guess you know that the world is aging, right? Sure. Okay, and so looking through those numbers, that means that maybe in 20, 25, or 30 years' time, your accessibility features might be more used or uh, will have more popular demand, I guess. Absolutely. A couple of weeks ago, I was actually at my parents' house, and obviously I'm like looking at their phones and like seeing what they're seeing, seeing how I can help them. And uh, I showed them a, a few features that uh, historically has been considered accessibility, like things like changing your font size, changing the color contrast, mm-hmm. maybe some magnification features. And they don't need it all the time. They might need it maybe a couple hours out of the day when their eyes are a little bit more tired than usual. Uh, but when they saw it, they were like, oh, this is cool. Like I never thought to use it. And then they, they loved it. Now they know how to turn it on and off. Right? I think this is one of those examples where things are more relevant and then maybe they seem and they will become more relevant over time. Now, there is this new cool feature in Pixel 7 and Pixel 7 Pro that launched last month, which is guided frame. And rather than me explaining what it is, maybe you can tell us what guided frame uh, intends to do. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Very proud of that feature that we launched. Uh, so it, it really came from us uh, really trying to look at things from another point of view. So historically, a lot of teams 
hey, uh, how can we just make sure that things are accessible? That's sort of like the starting point. And then we really try to pivot away from that and say, hey, let's look at what people are trying to do with their phones. Right. And then figure out like, are they the best that they can be? Mm -hmm. And so uh, when people use smartphones, what do they do? Uh, One of the top things is they would take pictures, right? And so once we started looking at it from that angle, it becomes very obvious, right? So we looked at people with vision problems and it was actually quite interesting at the beginning. People were like, oh, uh, do we have to look at this? There was a general comment just uh, for folks who are not in this area. It's like, oh, do people even want to take pictures? And then we got a lot of clear user feedback and we shared it. It was like, hey, obviously everyone wants to take pictures and people also want to take selfies. Mm -hmm. People just want to. They have a phone. They want to do that. And then uh, we were looking at uh, the experience of doing that. And it was really hard for people to get a good selfie because you kind of need to frame yourself, right? In the right place, of course. By the time you like press the button to take the photo, the motor moments of your fingers actually changes the angle, right? So people thought they were taking a good selfie, but they're not. And then Guided Frame can help with that. And this is going to be a first in the Made by Google podcast, uh, Vince, because uh, we're going to actually do a live demo of this. Uh, So I enable TalkBack on my phone. TalkBack is what uh, many people use in Android when they have uh, a vision impairment. And then the phone kind of tells you what's on screen. And once you have TalkBack enabled, that will enable Guided Frame when you're in the camera app, basically, right? Yeah. So... um, I'm going to unlock my to phone. Now I'm, switch to camera mode. I'm Auto, in camera. Max. Zero let's, faces. Uh, off. Let's go to the Option. selfie camera. Ready for s- one cropped face. Move your phone left. So No faces in frame. I'm misframed, apparently. Let's see yeah. if I can change. I'm closing my eyes, by the way, to yeah. see what that's like. One cropped face. Move your phone left. Okay. No faces in frame. Oh, the other left, sorry. One cropped face. Move your phone left and up. Up, okay. Ready for selfie. Three, two, one. Photo taken. One face. Good for selfie. One face. That's actually amazing, Vince. That actually tells me, or the person who needs this, how to frame themselves. And you felt it, you know, you felt it directly with your eyes closed, how hard that, that could be, right? Yeah. Absolutely. It is really hard because... I actually felt like I was doing a good job and it was still coaching me of, no, you should turn your yeah. phone a little bit more to the left. That's amazing. And I think for many of us listening, it's so first nature by now to take a selfie. And then now since Pixel 7, you're enabling a lot of people to maybe do that properly for the first time. Yeah. Something that doesn't uh, come through in the audio is that uh, we tuned a lot of uh, a combination of audio and haptics. So you must have felt it in your hands when you yes, were getting closer. Right. It would give you that haptic feedback. And it's not obvious, but we went through many, many, many iterations of that and tested it it so many times to just make sure that it would work. That's amazing. And maybe we can talk about some other features that are there for people to use in accessibility. So we've talked about captioning. Uh, We also have uh, live transcribe, which is sort of similar, but it's not quite the same. Could you explain the differences? Yeah. So live transcribe is for more of a conversational mode where uh, let's say uh, you're having dinner, right? And then you have your family around you and you want to make sure that everyone participates in the conversation. Then you would pull up uh, live transcribe and then you would be able to see everyone's uh, voices transcribed into text for you. Right. So at the dinner party, I put my phone on the table yeah. and I'm going to see what everyone's saying. Exactly. Exactly. All right. And you mentioned earlier the Lookout app. 
But it's easy to understand why this is useful for people if it can yeah. just tell me what I'm seeing. And again, this is something like if you were thinking maybe five years ago when AI wasn't as prominent, this would have been close to impossible to make probably. Absolutely, man. You were asking me earlier around like, you know, hey, I joined Google like, you know, 15, 16 years ago. I would have never imagined that we would be able to do something like this. Like this is all advances that just came about in the past, uh, I don't know, like seven, eight years. And things have progressed really, really quickly. And just looking at the future, I'm, I'm really, really energized by what is possible. Well, something that you mentioned it before, but something that to me sounds like from the future, but it's actually here, is sound notifications. What is that? Yeah, sound notifications. Uh, let's say I'm in my home and uh, I'm hard of hearing, and but I do, of course, want to know if there's interesting things happening. Uh, an example might be that my uh, carbon monoxide thing is beeping. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I have things in the kitchen that are beeping that I would want to know. So things like that. Right. So would I then sort of make a pre-recording of it and then it will recognize it in the future? Yeah. So right out of the box, when you have the service, it will detect things in general for you. So this is a pre-trained model that we've done uh, based on a lot of sounds that we've collected. Uh, But you can also customize it too. So we recently added a appliance uh, customization feature. So we call it custom sounds. Mm -hmm. So you can record the beeping sound of something in your home that might be a little bit different, right? And then you can, you can label it your own. I actually have a kettle that emits a slightly different sound. And so I did it for my phone. Right. And then when the kettle makes that sound, what happens then on the phone? Yeah, then you would uh, automatically get a notification and uh, you also get a history view as well, which is really neat. So you can go back in time and sort of say, hey, what, what's been happening? Did my dog bark a couple hours ago, right? You can see what has happened uh, around your home uh, recently. Right. So this is going to be a tricky question to ask because you just said uh, 16 years ago, I would have never thought we would be able to make something like we have now. But I still need to ask you about the future. What's in the future of accessibility? What's maybe something you'd love to tackle or to build uh, that maybe isn't just possible today? Something that comes to mind is, because I've been thinking about it a lot, is uh, sign language uh, detection. So Mm. What's possible today is we can detect pretty quickly, like if people are like typing with sign language, right? The ABCD, right? Uh, but general purpose understanding of sign language and making it super fluid where it's kind of like the transcribe example. We're, we're conversing, maybe we're in a, a video call together. Let's say I only know sign language, or maybe it's uh, what I'm most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And then you speak back to me in some language. And it could be yeah. any language. So imagine sign language as being one of the many languages that are supported and we can go back and forth. You talk to me in German, I speak to you back in uh, American Sign Language. Wouldn't that be neat? And then the American Sign Language would be converted for me into, well, German speech or text, I guess. I would speak in German, which I probably shouldn't do because that would be terrible. But if I do that and it would convert it back to you in, I guess, sign language graphics or something like that? It could. Why couldn't it? Yeah, you can definitely render the images and do it that way. That's amazing. And this is, again, something that maybe five years ago was unimaginable that you'd even think about trying and build something like this. Yeah, now I feel like I could have a conversation and maybe people wouldn't laugh at me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm not laughing at you. I just hope you do it someday. That'd be amazing. So, Vince, one of the final questions I have is, I'm thinking that at some point you run into people that have a certain impairment or a certain disability. 
and they find out that something you worked on actually helps them use technology, whereas previously they couldn't. What's sort of the proudest moment where you saw someone using an accessibility feature you worked on? I think uh, my proudest moments are probably the ones where if they didn't have it, it would just mean a deal breaker, right? Mm -hmm. Those cases definitely warm my heart. But I do have to say, because I'm a product manager, I gravitate towards, hey, what's what's not working for you? Right. <laughs> and yeah. like, tell me the bugs and I'll uh -huh. go back and fix them. That's uh, uh, maybe a little bit of a, a job coming into it. <laughs> Got it. And is there any specific memory, like someone you ran into or maybe in a research group or maybe it's a friend or someone in your family where you had that experience where you undid the deal breaker, basically? Yeah. Surprisingly, uh, one of my friends didn't know about captioning. And uh, I let them know about it for the call specific feature. So you can actually uh, make phone calls and then the captioning would come up. And I guess it just wasn't uh, well known. And I showed it and it was basically one of those deal breaker moments. That's someone who previously couldn't do a phone call and now was it? Yeah, or they so. might have had to ask someone to help. And uh, it's possible. So it's not like completely deal breaker, but this is around independence, right? Sure. Uh, people want to be able to do things themselves. And that is very, very important. And that's a good thing for people to know that live captioning actually captions everything, including phone calls. So yes, yeah, that's absolutely. definitely a, a great feature there. Uh, Vince, we've come to the segment of top tips for the road where we ask our guests top tips for people to try out or maybe it's top tips about being a great product manager or any of these things. It's, it's basically your moment. What are your top tips for our Made by Google podcast listeners? I think what comes to mind is uh, maybe the broadly useful accessibility features that maybe aren't, maybe they're kind of hidden, right? So the most useful ones, broadly applicable, I think, are things around like font sizes, color, color contrast, magnification. I use this one a lot called a select to speak, where you can uh, select text Mm -hmm. And then you can just tap it to for it to speak it back to you. And I find it very useful because uh, sometimes I'm just not in a situation where I can uh, just be like paying full attention to my phone and I, and I use it. That's amazing. Vince, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we learned a lot about accessibility today and the very important work you and your team uh, is doing. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I feel very inspired after talking to Vince. Everyone should benefit from technology and I'm proud that we're working really hard at Google to make sure no one is left behind. So two highlights from today. Guided Frame available on Pixel 7 and Lookout is an app you can download from the Google Play Store. So go check that out. We hope you enjoyed this first season of the Made by Google podcast. We had a ton of fun making it and learned a lot along the way. We started with Isaac, who works on Pixel Camera and explained how he wants to create more confident photographers, by which he meant more confident photographers and more confident photographers, if you see what I mean. We met Jesse and Ray telling us how they build Android and Pixel pretty much like a castle to keep your devices and personal data secure. Isabel told us all about design at Google, talking about, for example, Nest Wi-Fi Pro, why it matters that it looks beautiful, because it also helps you get better Wi-Fi, and how manicuring your nails in a certain color is a great way to test that color. Monica explained what makes our Tensor chip different from other chips. Hint, it's AI, of course. 
and why synthetic benchmarks only tell you part of the story and usually a part that isn't very interesting. Nino from the speech team taught us about how computers learn to understand human speech and how perhaps in the future we could tune the system to the way you specifically speak. De Carlos works on Fitbit and Pixel Watch and told us what all those sensors do in the device and where Pixel Watch is heading next in terms of helping you improve your health. Karen and Anish explained why matter matters so much or what's the matter with matter. All those puns. But matter is the new standard that will help us bring your smart and thoughtful home to the next level. And then today we had Vince showing us that AI is beneficial to everyone, including and perhaps especially if you have a disability. It's been a true privilege to meet all these amazing Googlers and bring our conversations to you to shine a light on the things we're doing at Google to help you make your day just a bit easier and more delightful. So is this the end? Well, I have some great news to share. We are exploring great new projects, interviewees and numbers for a second season of the Made by Google podcast. So in other words, do not unsubscribe or actually do subscribe if you haven't yet, because we will be back. Thanks again so much for listening. We've had a lot of fun making a podcast and we hope you enjoyed listening to it. Let's meet again next year, shall we? So please take care. Enjoy the end of 2022 and talk to you next year. <laughs>